We're going to continue our series on faith today, and we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And um, we're going to be we're going to be talking about uh, actually what Jermaine opened the service with at the top of the worship service. He said we get to choose what we magnify. And he said, you know, during our weeks this week, we experienced different kinds of challenges and different kinds of difficulties. And he said, but uh, but we could choose to magnify that and make that the big thing in our life. Or we can take the goodness of God and magnify that in our life. And when we talk about magnifying the work of God, and Jermaine shared this, we're not talking about making God bigger. We're talking about realizing that God is bigger. Does that make sense? I, I, once, I once prayed, God, uh, we make you the center of everything. And somebody came and they, they rebuked me and they were like, he is the center of everything. I said, yeah, but we don't always act like it. And so, you know, he is at the center of everything. He is bigger than all these other things, but it's easy to magnify these other things. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you could stand with me, I'd like to read this one together. It's kind of medium length. Some weeks I read it and some weeks we read together. Uh, The ESV will be up on the screen or you can read whatever version you want from your own Bible. It's on page 965. (laughs) So just whatever's there on 965. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show us that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we are the are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what was written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would teach us today. Holy Spirit, that you would inspire us today and you would bring us to greater measures of faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Whether or not you realized it, when you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you became the beneficiary and the steward of a great treasure. And so today I want to talk about the treasure, I want to talk about the trial, and I want to talk about how we talk and the relationship uh, between them. This passage of Scripture starts off in, in verse 7 as it says, But we have this treasure. I want to highlight that it starts off by saying we have this treasure. In Grace Covenant Church, we have a treasure. I have a treasure in Christ when I surrendered. You have a treasure in Christ as you have surrendered. And together we have a treasure that we inherited together. 
See, the treasure of God is too big for one person to hold by themselves. In fact, the treasure of God's too big for even all of us to hold together. But as you hold on to this treasure and I hold on to this treasure of the revelation of Jesus and the revelation of his love and the revelation of his kingdom purposes in our lives and in, 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 our, in, in the community and the world around us, as we begin to behold that together and process it together, I benefit from your perspective and you benefit from my perspective because we have this treasure I like sitting around with people and experiencing the same thing from a different angle. And and the way different people will describe the same interaction is really exciting for me because I learn things that I missed otherwise. You know, different people have a different emphasis. If you've ever talked to a group of kids after they've done something, it's like, hey, what was the best part? And each person's going to talk about a different thing. And then if they mention the same thing, it's like, well, why did you like it? And then they like the same thing, but for different reasons or distinct reasons. And now you're going to see things that you never saw by yourself. You ever taken time to go back and read maybe a movie review by a critic and then they uncover parts of the plot that you didn't see previously? Or maybe, or maybe you're, 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 you had an experience, you were at a party and something happened in a room that you weren't in that was really funny or really important or really unimportant or really bad. But you had nothing to do with that. But then when you heard about it, your experience at that party was broadened. And it either made your experience better or it made it worse. What we have in Jesus is a treasure that only gets better and better and better and better as we learn other people's perspective about the treasure that we're all beholding. It's, you, can get the, you can get some of the perspectives by turning the treasure around and by, by valuing it and looking at it from different perspectives. I try and do that when I'm reading the Bible or when I'm preparing for a sermon. I try and look at it from a lot of different perspectives. I look at it from the perspective of someone who's been in church for 10 years is pretty much bored with it as soon as they hear this because they've sang 100 songs about it. And we've got about 15 Christian catchphrases that come from this passage of Scripture. Right? Oh, we're jars of clay, right? And all the ones that associate with us being jars of clay and earthen vessels, right? So we've got those sayings. And then we're like, we're persecuted but not crushed. Ha! Huh? You know, like, we, we, got, we got songs about it. We've got sayings about it. We, we got quips about it. How you doing? I'm good. I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. You know, and we can say all these Christian things, and we got all these Christian sayings that come out of this passage. So the 10-year Christian is at risk of getting bored with the passage instead of really most excited about the passage because you should know the most about it and be the most excited about it because you've got the longest runway to jump into it. But, but we get bored with it because we're, we're enticed away by other things. And so, so I think about that person. I think about, I think about the person who's new to their faith or new to their journey. And I'm like, well, what would I say or what would I think or what would I do that this person won't maybe understand if you haven't grown up in church? What won't make sense? Like, what the heck is the treasure? What is this treasure? I haven't even told you what the treasure is, but all the church people are like, yeah, I got a treasure. But if you're new to your faith, you're like, excuse me, did somebody define what the treasure is? Where, like, Oh, he's talking about this and people are excited about having this treasure and turning the treasure around, looking at it, enjoying it from all these different... But what's, what is he talking about? Yeah. And those are questions that the new person asks. Right? And then, and then I, I, like, I'm moving on. I'm not even answering it. Um, <laughs> and then you've got, <laughs> you've got the, the person who's not a believer, the person who's skeptical, or the person who's burned, and the person who's like, ah, I don't want it anymore. Or I don't want it, or I've never wanted it. Or, I'm just... Somebody dragged me here. I'm here to tear it down and argue with my friend. I'm glad you're here. If you're there, I am most excited about you being here. That, no, that's not true. I was going to say most excited. I'm not any more excited by anybody else than I am about you being here. I'm as excited. But I think about that because, you know, we say things and we make assumptions and we make these logical leaps. And we're like, and so the planet's here, so God is. 
And for somebody who's a skeptic, you're like, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. And that's why I spend time talking about things like in Genesis, about why the doctrine of creation matters. I've been kind of talking about that a little bit, seasoning that through, because those things matter to somebody who's not a believer. But, uh, but the, perspectives, the perspectives matter. So I try and do that. But as much as I do that on my own, that I'm still limited to my own thoughts and thought processes. I'm thankful for, thankful for people in my life, like Pastor Eddie, who, who thinks about it from a different perspective, from a different, from a different way of understanding and challenges my thoughts. And he challenges them without even like realizing he's challenging it. He goes, hey, so this is what's true. And I'm like, oh, that's not what I thought was true. <laughs> but you're right. And sometimes it's like, wow, that's also, that's also true. You're just seeing it from a different angle. And this helps me. It broadens my understanding of God. And God gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So I haven't magnified him any. I'm just seeing him for who he really is. And it takes a body of people to be able to understand that. So, so that's not even really a point. I just got excited about the word we. We have this treasure. So what is this treasure that we have? I'm glad you asked. Um, new person. The treasure that we have in Deuteronomy, actually chapter 33, Moses, uh, it, it says that Moses gave us the Lord's inst- in, instruction, the special possession of the people of Israel. So for those people, it was the instruction of God. It was a special instruction that came from God. And certainly that's a part of our treasure. And as we read scripture, we uncover year after year and Bible after or chapter after chapter and, and book after book. You'll begin to uncover different treasures in this moment. He's saying this thing, this, this special instruction is the treasure. Of course, what we have, our treasure is Jesus. And you're like, why is that a treasure? Right? And, and as you begin to examine scriptures, you can examine the human condition and you examine God's condition and you see the gap and the distance between God and man, you begin to realize that Jesus really is a treasure because he joined man who's fallen with God who's risen and joins us together so we can have a relationship with the Father. That's what makes him our treasure. And so what we do is we get to learn year after year, week after week, we get to learn about how and why Jesus is our great treasure. Even growing up in church, I didn't understand people who were always talking about Jesus. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to be one of those Christians that's always talking about Jesus. But as, I, as I've, I've become one of those believers who always talks about Jesus, because if we're not talking about Jesus, what are we doing? He is the treasure. I used to think the reward was the treasure. I was, I, was, I was like, oh, it's my salvation that's the treasure. It's the gift that's the treasure. It's my giftings that's the treasure. It's the job I'm going to have or the house I'm going to get. That's the treasure. It's the family I'm going to have. That's the treasure. It's like, no, no, no. Those are things that he gives me to point back to the treasure. And so Jesus is our, our, ultimate, our ultimate treasure. But what's cool is the author here leaves it a little bit ambiguous and leaves it a little bit open. So basically anything that's good about God can be understood as the treasure. And that gets me excited. That doesn't stress me out. Because that means that I can, I, can, I can examine Scripture and I can examine experiences and testimonies and I can look at what God is doing in the world and, and what He's done and what He's promised He'd do. And I can call those things good and I can call that part of the treasure. But it's all held by Jesus. You know, we, we get numb to things and we get, we get bored with things and we take things for granted. Um, you know, I, a little awe and wonder would do our hearts really good. Yeah. A little awe and inspiration and fear of God, the kind that goes, man, he's enormous. Man, he's, he's more loving 
than I realized. Have you ever heard, had somebody tell you that, you love, that they love you, but you, but you know that what they were talking about was a tidal wave of love, that no matter what you did, they were going to continue loving you, and it wasn't built on whether or not you, you, what you did for them and what you wouldn't do for them? Have you ever felt that kind of love where it was so big? And it's a, it's a little bit terrifying. And it's a little unnerving. It's kind of like, uh, I mean, uh, because you don't know if you can love back the same way. And you're like, I'm pretty much going to fail you. I pretty much can't return what you're talking about. I, I don't have that. That's the love that God has for us. And so we can seek that out. But a little bit of awe of that love would be fantastic. I mean, just think about the basic things that we have in life, right? I mean, that we fly airplanes. It's pretty awesome. Like you guys, I mean, maybe you're like, it's physics. Yeah, but it's cool physics. I mean, it's cool that it's even possible that we fly planes and land them on purpose. Like, and we can like decide when and when not. It's pretty extraordinary. See, we're so, we're so like bored with stuff. I mean, like this phone I've got right now, I'm looking at the presentation that's on the screen behind you and I sent it to them like through space or something this morning. I don't even know what happened. I just hit the keyboard thing and these things show up on the screen. That's awesome. And we take this for granted. They're like, somebody figured out how to make a keyboard that you're banging on, which is at ones and zeros, I'm told, show up as colors and trees and streets and stuff. I'm like, I've seen a lot of ones and zeros in my life. I had the same raw materials, ones and zeros. I've got them at my disposal never came up with that. <laughs> Same supplies. It's like somebody playing the guitar. You're like, hey, I've held the guitar, but that sound did not come out of that guitar. I have vocal cords, but nothing that's come out of my mouth has ever sounded like Tim Atkins when he's singing. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. It gives me awe and wonder. I'm like, man, God, you're awesome. This is incredible. With the same things, different things are produced. So we need some awe of God. And no, no greater thing than the fact that, there, I mean, that there is a God is amazing. That there's a God who can be known is pretty extraordinary. That there's a God who exists, who makes himself known, who's invited us to follow him and has made a way for us to relate to him. Family, that, that's, that's incredible. And we should be in awe of that. So even with all this treasure, even with all this excitement, um, you know, what was funny is um, it, oh, I, I, I want to say that we have this treasure in jars of clay. That, that all of this goodness that is, that is God that I've been trying to describe and get you excited about dwells inside of us. And he's pleased to come live inside of us. And we are the ones who carry this testimony of how good he is. And, but we're, we're earthen vessels. We're jars of clay. We're, we're relatively insignificant. We've got you know, like 90 years on this planet, right? 100 years, 100 and something. If you live a really long time, you've got some time on this planet, but that's it. And, and so we're temporary vessels for this thing. But somehow God was pleased to do it. And he did it on purpose. He wasn't surprised. He's not like, hey, I'm going to come dwell in you. Oh, shoot. David's an idiot. I didn't know he would do that. I didn't know he'd think that way. I didn't know that he'd, he'd go that way. I didn't know he'd resist me so much. He's not like, dang it, I wish I had a better plan. No, this is his plan. It's not like, you know, you open up a, a Valentine's chocolate box and you eat one and you're like, that is awful. You ever had one of those where you're like, that's not even a food. It's some sort of goop that some spiteful person who hates Valentine's Day put in there to spite the world. 
You know what I'm talking about, right? You got that one where you're like, this isn't even good. And somebody's like, I love it. And it's like, it's because your mouth is broken. You're like, maybe you smoked and your taste buds are broken. Right? It's not like that car you buy at wintertime. You ever, you ever bought something in one situation and then you see it in another one and you're like, oh, no. There's an example from the club that none of you guys know about. And so what I'll do is I'll talk about cars instead. Because I know that. I could use that. Well, no, because there's nothing redeeming about that at all. It's just if you go to the club and the lights are low and then, you know, you go somewhere with a little bit of light and it's like, oh. That's what people in the world do. I know nothing of that. Testimony. Not my story. Somebody in here has that testimony, though. Everybody's pointing at other people. <laughs> um, no, like a car, you buy, you buy it at night, and then you realize there's a huge dent in, in the morning, right? Um, I might be making this up. I feel like that happened to my dad. Bought a nice truck. Next morning, you know, you're like, oh, hey, so that huge dent in the bumper. Maybe you didn't want to buy that also, right? So they, they fix it. Or you buy a car when it, I, this happened to me. You buy a car in, in the wintertime when it's kind of cool, and then it heats up, and it smells like fish. It smells like fish, socks, and spoiled milk. And you're like, what? But it took four months to happen because it had been cold, and you didn't know that something had died in your car before you bought it. And that's why it was cheap. But that's not how God felt about us. <laughs> A little counseling session right now. Right? <laughs> not crushed, not abandoned. <laughs> but that's not how he thought of us. He saw us in our stinky car condition, in our dented up condition. He saw us in the club. And chose us. And he chooses to draw near to us. He sees us as we are even right now. Where we feel like we're done. And that just shows us how far from done we really are. For some of us our doneness is our undoneness. And some of us our undoneness is absolutely the sign that we're moving towards doneness. Now done doesn't happen in this life. We're going to be sanctified forever. And I take a lot of encouragement from that. You know, I love hearing Pastor Duke Bendix. Uh, he's in our Chantilly location. I love hearing him speak. You know, he's in his 70s now. He almost died from a heart attack a few years ago. But when he speaks, I'm like, man, that, like, it's, 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 he's, still, he's still thinking about the same things, but he's thinking about them differently. And I'm made better by his experience with the treasure. Because he, he values it differently than I value it. You know, I, you kind of hold things fast and loose when you're young and the kids like hold your cell phone and they're like waving it around and you're like, oh, they don't know. It's just a fancy, like it's not magic. It's like, it, it's always worked for them. It's always been a part of their life. They don't care. And they also know it's not, they don't know it's going to cost you $600 because they don't know what dollars are. So they don't value it at all. But somebody like Pastor Duke, who values really the treasure of the gospel, realizes that 70 years later, he goes, I know my condition and I know the Savior better than I knew him. And the gap was far, and he still pursues me. That's exciting to me. And that's one of the privileges of being a multi-generational church. And so if you're around people who are only your age, you're missing out. You're missing out. 
And so he was pleased to dwell inside of us. And, and um, even with this treasure, even dwelling inside of us, it says that there's in close proximity to this treasure, there's all this difficulty. We, have, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. You know what's funny about the way that we read it, the way I just read it right now, is we read it and we emphasized all the bad parts. Before it was even done. Now, I know the sentence starts that way, but we emphasize the first word of each phrase, you know, separated by semicolons. So it kind of reads that way. We are afflicted in every way. But we said we are afflicted in every way. If we played back the tape, you'd hear it. But not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Here's the thing. We read it that way on accident, but that it kind of reflects how we normally tend to live our lives. This is the part that we normally choose to highlight. This is the place where we normally live and we normally dwell and we recite over and over and over. We recite the affliction and the persecution and the perplexion and the, and the struck downness that we feel, the pressing down. All of these words have to do with the pressing down that comes from living in this world. Some of that tearing down that comes from the inside, but also from the outside. And these forces that are at work to discourage us, to help us forget about the treasure. Because if we don't remember the treasure, we'll stay in the suppressed state and we won't glorify our Father who's in heaven. Now, I'm not talking about just being optimistic, right, instead of being pessimistic. What I'm saying is, like, what are the things that we're reciting in our mind? Are you reciting the 6 o'clock news of your life? When you think about it, it's the weirdest thing. For a long time, I felt the need, and I'm, I'm, I'm... trying to teach myself and i'll just bring you into my life for a second but like when people ask hey how are you doing what are you up to i want to say busy instead of like hey, i had an awesome time with my kids last night right like what are you up to what are you doing oh man so much work like this week it just surprised me so if you met me today i'm like i'm surprised it's sunday like <laughs> surprise but like but most days most weeks it's it's kind of like I, something awesome has happened this week why am i telling you how busy i am and how pressed i am and how like how how chaotic things are because that's what i'm recite in my heart that's what i've chosen chosen to magnify instead of that awesome time i'm just cuddling with my kid as we were going to sleep or playing battleship and you know destroying them <laughs> that'd be a weird thing too if somebody was like how you doing be like great i destroyed my son in battleship you're like, whoa, okay, all right. Pray for you, brother. <laughs> Which is really polite for like, let's end this conversation. <laughs> so we, so we have, we, we, uh, what am I talking about? <laughs> oh, reciting things. We recite the bad things. We recite the bad things instead of choosing to magnify or highlight the good things. That's just in our life, but also that's just in our weekly exchanges, our casual water cooler talk. But the reality is I think we do that far more than we realize that we do. And what we do is we tear down the treasure and we diminish the value of that treasure. There's this treasure on the table available for us to enjoy and to cherish, but we're sitting here, you know, upset about the fact that there's no treasure. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of teachings. I just, I'm, I'm realizing right now, just kind of in front of you that, um, you know, what I'm talking about is, is a difficult thing because, because sometimes we can be so trapped in our minds that the treasure could be on the table or not be on the table. It doesn't matter because we're so 
entrapped by our, by our thoughts and, or by depression or anger or frustration or sorrow or sadness. We, we don't know how to actually stand up and take hold of it because we, we don't even see it. And I would say that part, that's part of why it's so important that we live in community with one another because when I can't see the treasure, there are people in my life who can remind me that the treasure is there. And there are people who can help me learn how to stand up and walk towards this treasure. And they can tell me how to hold the treasure and behold the treasure and appreciate the treasure for the season that I'm in. But I also know that there are smaller scale things that happen. You can get emails from certain people and your blood pressure spikes and your palms sweat and you want to just chuck your phone or punch your computer out the window Right? And, and, and like, but even in those moments, what we can do is we can remember the treasure in those moments and put things in their proper perspective. Not allow for these small things to overwhelm us and to steal the treasure from us in that moment. I, I've had too many moments of my life stolen by insignificant and un- unimportant things. Things like a flat tire. It's a flat tire. It's a couple hundred bucks. It's not even like real dollars. It's, like we're not, it's not tied to anything really anymore. I mean, still don't have credit, debt, and all those other things. Like, like man- manage your stuff well. But it's like, well, I, I mean, we could have a picnic on the side of the road right now. Right? I could just call someone and talk to them. I've got nowhere to go. Or I can't get there. But there's a way to, to slow down and to, to recognize things for where they are. And maybe you'll have a hard time with this. And so what I would encourage you to do if you're in this moment is just to call somebody and say, hey, I, there, there's, there's this treasure. There's this treasure, and I, I don't know how to get to it. Can you, help me, can you help me get to this treasure? And so that would be my encouragement for you. And for some of us, we're going we're, we're gonna, it, to, it, it'll just be a moment, and we'll be able to stand up and realize it and take hold of it in ways that we haven't before. Some of us, it's going to be a journey, and it's going to be a process, and it's going to be, it's going to be messier, right? And it's going to be like, I see it, I don't see it, I see it, I don't see it. It's going to come in and out of view and in and out of focus. But, but, but that's the thing about spiritual families. We're committed to each other, taking hold of the treasure of God so that we can become everything that he's intended for us to become. So, um, so this is how we talk, and that's how we read. We focus on the afflicted and everything else. But we've got this great news in the gospel. So if you go to the next slide, it's we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Everybody say, but not crushed. But not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Not driven to despair. Persecuted. Not Struck down. Not there we go. Somebody was saying, but not. So I like whoever over there was saying not real strong. I appreciate that. And that's how we need, that's, that's what we need to be echoing in the sound chamber of our hearts. That's what needs to be echoing in our minds is that, yes, these things are real. Yes, these things are obstacles that I'm up against. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by this. But, but in Christ, because of what Jesus has done, because he's torn down the, the strength and the strongholds of the enemy, I have access to a different kind of reality. I have access to a different kind of life. I'm not crushed. I'm not despairing. I'm not abandoned. It feels like it in this moment, but I'm not. And that's what he's getting at. And I'm not talking about using language to create your reality. I'm saying use your language to catch up with reality. I'm not saying create something to the best of your imagination and then live towards that imaginary thing. I'm saying let's hear what the Bible says that we have to to live for. Let's hear what the promise of Jesus is for our life and then line up our lives in accordance with that. Let's get our language to line up with the promises of God and see what else changes afterwards. 
Language shapes a lot of things. Vocabulary determines, determines how we think about things, right? It, it, it shapes how we actually process information. The languages, like if you're learning English or Spanish or Russian or something else, it, it, it shapes how you consider certain things because of the descriptors that are the etymology of the words shapes how you, what you believe about it, right? And a lot of languages, the ambulance is actually, it's like, it means sick wagon. Like the, the etymology, it goes back, like what we call an ambulance, they would call a sick wagon. And imagine calling something a sick wagon. You're going to think of things a certain way when that thing is referred to as a sick wagon. And you're going to think of something a certain way if you call it an ambulance. And so the language that we use to describe these things matters a lot. And the way that we talk about it and the way that we recite it in our hearts and minds, it matters. But we're not trying to create it. We're just trying to line up with what God has already created and what he's already intended. Verse 13 says that since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believe and so I spoke. This is a reference to Psalm 116 and the, and, and the psalmist David was speaking in this moment. I believed and therefore I spoke. Um, that's the part that's not highlighted right above that. He's basically saying in the time of despair, in the time of pain, in the time of all of these other things, I spoke as if I believe. I, I didn't. I didn't forget. I still believed even when things were bad, even when I was pressed down, even when I was crushed, even when I, or not crushed because we're not crushed. Even when I was all these bad things, I wasn't this. I believe this, that God's going to come through. Yes, it feels this way, but God's going to come through. Have you ever had something in like, like a shot and, and they're giving it to you and you're like, it's going to sting a little bit and for a moment. And then, you know, you're like, okay, a moment. And then it crossed what you thought a moment would be. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. This isn't a moment. It's getting worse. This is it's not okay. And, and they're like, no, no, no. It, like you got to believe the doctor or whoever it is that they said a moment and they really, they're going to come, they're telling the truth and you're not going to die from this thing, even though it feels like it in the moment. The psalmist acknowledged that, yes, it feels like I'm going to die, but I believe that my God is able to pull me through because I've seen the goodness of God in my life. Psalm 116 is an exciting psalm to read. It's just about his love for God. And so you could go back and read about it. And you could see his testimony and you can see his story. He's like, God's come through before. I cried out to him and he's a good God. He's always faithful and he'll never fail me. And so therefore I believe. And so in the same way that Jesus believed, or in the same way that David believed and was able to endure through difficult time, Paul is saying to the people of Corinth, he's like, we also believe in this same God who never fails and always comes through. And because we believe in this God who never fails and always comes through, we can also speak as if he's already come through. We can speak life to situations that are dead. We can speak health to situations that are sick. We can speak resurrection to a dying marriage. We can speak resurrection to, to, to breaking down bodies. We can speak life where there's death family. Because we believe in a God who's conquered sin, death, and the grave so we can speak this life. We can develop this uh, vocabulary of faith. Where when we tell the story, we, we, we don't stop at the bad news, but we talk about what God's promised he's going to do. So if you're sick, I don't want you, don't, don't, if you got cancer, don't lie to me and be like, well, I'm healed in Jesus' name. Well, that's cool. What are you healed from? Nothing. I'm, I've got nothing. I'm healed. Which is kind of the way some people approach this kind of, this kind of passage. I'm not, don't do that. That's weird. The blood shows you got cancer. Tell me, I've got cancer, but I'm believing God to heal my body. 
That to me is a lot more exciting. Well, what are you, what are you believing to be healed from if you're not sick? It's not even coherent to me. I'm believing for salvation for somebody because they're not saved. There is a not yet aspect to our faith, but we don't have to pretend like the first part's not there and I love the model that he gives me. It's like, man, I had a tough week, but I'm, but I'm, I'm overcoming. And, and don't lie. If you're not overcoming, be like, <laughs> you can say, I'm having a tough week, but I know there's overcoming. <laughs> I know it's there. Don't know how to get to it. But we live in family so we can help each other. The vocabulary of faith isn't just making up our own reality. It's lining up with the reality that God has. Um, I um, If we're not careful, we'll hear this as a sermon about, about us. About our, our perplexion and our victory and our overcoming instead of understanding it as a testimony about how extraordinary God really is and how great his love and his disposition is towards us.